If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. ready to lead this country? Could he find his car in a three-tiered parking garage? Could he navigate a salad bar? That's that's, that's very dismissive from Tucker Carlson on Fox News last night, but we've noticed the late-night comics, they make their occasional jab at Joe Biden for his his age, some of his rambliness. Yeah. So anyway, if if the Democratic Party, does the Democratic Party feel that way about Joe Biden, and is there actually going to be some effort to get a a Governor Cuomo or a Governor Gavin Newsom of California in there? Can that even be done? I don't know. Let us discuss with Gary Dietrich, nonpartisan political analyst with I3. That's Inspire, Inform, and Involve. You can follow him on the Twitter machine at Gary Dietrich. Uh, he joins us now. Gary, how are you, sir? Hey, good morning, guys. And yeah, you know, in the midst of the coronavirus crisis, politics to some has seemed an eon away. But make no mistake about the electoral volcano is ready to blow. And uh, yesterday we saw some certain rumblings about that with Bernie dropping out. No question about it. How Listen, that be- go ahead. I was going to say, just uh, if, drop your political analyst uh, act for a second. It's not an act. You're good at it. But hey, by the way, uh, I, what are you wearing right now? Are you home? L- Listen, that's confidential because here in the sequestered palatial uh, studios of Inspire and Form Involved, you know, we have we have, uh, you know, high standards 
So it's suit and tie by this time of the morning, guys. Uh, that's, that's what a, it is. I was picturing kind of a Hugh Hefner look, like the silky robe. And... <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, keep keep in mind my keep in mind my TV stuff. Well, it has to be. All oh, right, you're on TV Skype. a lot. That's right. I well, well I got to do it by Skype, but still, you know, showing up in your PJs, unlike some of the people on TV these days, I just don't quite find that appropriate. Mm. Well, I get that you're wearing the sport coat and the tie, but you got sweatpants on. I know you do. Well, it's, yesterday it was jeans. It was that look of, you know, okay. it was, the, it, was the, it was the suit tie on top and the jeans and sneakers on the bottom. Seriously, that's what it was. The aging hipster look. Just, just, just like yeah, the mullet, business and front party in the back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking no, of aging, I'm Gary, gonna. I'm going to ask you as a, as a human being and an individual, and I'm asking this seriously. You, like us, have seen a number of Joe Biden's TV appearances lately. And I seriously am concerned about him as a human being. He seems to be um, fading in terms of his uh, coherence. Have you sensed that? Well, you, you know that that does continue to be a concern, even among some within the Democratic Party. I mean, it's just no getting around the fact, guys, when you're 78 years old, that's a challenge. You know, I am, I've truly been amazed. I think we talked about this a little bit on air before, that guys like Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden can literally do a presidential campaign. I mean, I have worked on a presidential campaign. It is nonstop, 15-hour days, seven days a week. It is exhausting, even when you're not the candidate. So it, it's been astounding to me that, uh, you know, they've been able to pull it off as well as they have. You know, what it's going to look like for Joe Biden going forward is a big question mark, I think, in some people's minds. So you're refusing to answer the question. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I, I think you're right, Joe. Here's the, here's the challenge with a guy like Biden. He's never, he, he has often, throughout his political career, stumbled on his words you know, had long, I mean, he was famous when he was in the Senate, guys, for asking a question, and the ask was five minutes long. The question itself was five minutes long before the person could answer. So, you know, it, gets, it becomes difficult, I think, what I'm trying to get at, Joe, to determine how much of this is just Biden-esque and how much of it is new for him. So it would be to his advantage, I got to believe, because as, as an idea... A Democratic candidate appeals to a lot of Democrats and then uh, and then a lot of never Trump, you know, Republican slash conservative people who don't dig the Trump Act. But uh, that only works as long as they don't see him. So if he can stay in his basement, if this Corona thing eats up all the oxygen, if he doesn't have to have a convention and give a bunch of speeches and interviews and stuff like that, that'd be to his benefit, wouldn't it? Well, that's an interesting take on it, Jack, because conventional wisdom right now inside the party has been this is a real problem. You know, Joe from his basement Skyping for the next three months is not their idea of energizing the base. Let alone, <laughs> I'm let thinking alone. him on TV every day is not a good idea for energizing his base either, though. No, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, so how much better would he do if he was out on the stump? And frankly, you know, you have to ask yourself, what would he do? I mean, you're going to go hold a big rally somewhere? Uh, no, sorry. You know, get three people together. That's going to be your rally. So the, the challenge right now, in, you know, Take his memory out of it, out of it. The challenge right now for a challenger who doesn't currently hold elected office, and that's where Biden sits, is is striking. And I think that's why you you know to to shift our conversation if you're ready to do that at some juncture here to sure. governors who are actually out there working and on the TV every day doing something, i.e. Newsom, Cuomo, and let's not forget. You know, one of the names that's been thrown around a lot, who I think is on the very short list right now for VP is Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. 
right. you know, who, right. who he need he needs that top tier of states. Amy Klobuchar made that argument famously as her central talking point, and she's certainly on that list, I think, as well. But, you know, those are the kind of people getting the positive press right now. Well, it's let, very tough for Biden. Well, before we pivot to that, though, I want to answer this question, because I, d- I don't want to do the cable news thing where we discuss a hypothetical that'll never happen for 20 minutes. Because, you right. know, uh, is it even possible for a Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo to end up the nominee? And if it's not, there's no point in talking about it. Well, it is possible. How would they pull uh, it off? Will. Yes. Well, it, it would it would have to happen at the convention. It's the only way it could happen, and it would be at the convention. And, you know, the, the, the question is going to be the party itself, of course, sets its own goals. So, you know, right now you have so-called pledge delegates who, because Biden has won those, uh, you know, through the primary process. And we have a lot of primary yet to go. But let's presume that that just continues. Bernie says he's staying on the ballot, amassing delegates. He wants to have a say in the convention. I think he's going to have a prime speaking slot, by the way. But millionaires and billionaires. He'll get to give his speech one last time to roaring applause. Well, and, and that will be very important because his, his wing of the party is going to insist that that voice be heard loud and clear. And Biden has heard that message. But to get back to this, it's going to, it's, he would go to the convention floor and presumably, you know, you'd have the normal roll call and the Biden would amass his delegates. However, however, the party does get to set its own rules. And if somehow in the wisdom of the party elders, they decided there needed to be, uh, you know, an opening up of the process, um, those rules could be rewritten. Uh, could that happen? Uh, probably unlikely at this point. But there have been, as you guys, as you're alluding to, I think, Jack, there have been people saying, look, Joe has got some liabilities. Look at these fresh faces. Andrew Cuomo, Gavin Newsom. They're on the national news, not just their own state and regional news. They're out there doing something and are likely to be for months to come. Wow, guys, maybe we need to think about this. Well, did you did you see Joe Biden on uh, ABC this week, this past Sunday? I did not. It's, boy, it's worth a watch. I mean, there's... there's Gary, a, it was painful, man. It was hard to watch, especially if you know and love older folks. Yeah, we, we've said, and, and this is honestly true, this is not an attempt at humor or just trying to be mean. If my dad spoke the way Joe Biden did on Sunday morning, I would think, oh, my God, I don't know if he should be driving. We need to have a talk about, you know, somebody taking care of him. I mean, seriously. Well, and that, that's going to lead us into another name that I think is going to be vitally important if Biden gets the nomination and succeeds, and that is Barack Obama. I mean, I I think you're going to see, I mean, Obama and, you know, Barack and Michelle made clear, we are not going to, even though Joe is our VP, even then, we are not going to get back back, uh, behind a horse here in the primary. But now that it looks like that is all but formally settled with Bernie dropping out yesterday, you know, you could not find at this juncture in the Democratic Party's history a stronger surrogate and probably a better guy on the stump than Obama to maybe take up a lot of the slack. I mean, it may be that if you, you know, I will go back and watch that, guys. It's interesting your take on it. I, you know, it, it may well be. That well, I tell you what, be- Gary, let me just jump in here. As a golfer, yeah. if a guy makes a bad swing or two, you think, well, we're all human. It's a tough game. But if he makes 17 in a row, then you realize, you know, if he's your partner, you're screwed. Um, Joe Biden's made a couple of terrible swings in a row. And if it continues, he will be screwed. But the, to the Obama thing, though, uh, and he will be a powerful surrogate, but 
you know, it's it's like my wife and I are out uh, with a bunch of friends at a bar. Remember going out with friends? I, I hope we'll do it again sometime. And she won't commit to going home with me until the very end. She's not sure who she's going to go home with. Man, the non-endorsement of Biden up to this point, I think, speaks loudly. Yeah, I understand that, Joe. And uh, I th- that was more sort of my initial take, too. And then I saw the wisdom as the process went on, and Bernie just would not go away. I think Obama saw this as, and by the way, apparently there was multiple conversations between Obama and Bernie over the last several weeks. I think greasing the skids for yesterday's announcement. But I think certainly, um, I think certainly Obama had, had decided if I come out too early, we are going to alienate Bernie's people so much, we will not get them back. Mm. So I think there was some political wisdom in that. Yeah. Now the question, I think the question for me, guys, is going to be what happens in the next week? I guess to your point, Joe, this is where I'm coming from. If Obama does not come out and very, very strongly and aggressively begin to unite the party and mention Biden's name every other syllable, that to me is going to be the signal. Wow. Yeah. We'll keep our eye on that. Hey, is there any chance Gavin Newsom is hoping Biden loses? I got to believe for his own fortunes, he does. He he wants uh, he wants to run in twenty twenty four and be the nominee for the Democratic Party. I don't think there's any question that it's not just Gavin Newsom, but put Andrew Cuomo on that list and several other governors as well as senators. I think there are there's clearly guys a large and some would say growing more stronger even through this crisis bench as we call it politically for that nomination whenever that happens. And I I don't think there's any question you know that. Um, there's people antsy and ready to go. All right, here it is, Gary. So. Here's your prediction. You heard it here first. Uh, Trump gets reelected overwhelmingly. 2024, the first all-female presidential candidate uh, uh, race between Governor uh, Whitner, Whitmer of <coughs> Michigan and uh, and uh, Nikki Haley. Well, there you go. And I tell you, if predictions five years out have tremendous accuracy. So that's fine. <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm, no, I, In other words, I've wasted your time. Well, thank no, you. No, Abe. Joe, you're a good, you're a good friend. And I say, God bless you. Go take the odds right now in Vegas. Yeah. There's probably a million to one. You might make a lot of money. Well, a, a pantless Gary Dietrich joins us this morning. We appreciate you coming on. Gary Dietrich of I3, Inspire, Inform, Involve. Follow him on the Twitter machine at Gary Dietrich. Uh, thanks, Gary. Always great to talk, man. Likewise, guys, you can't predict anything in modern politics of what's going to happen in a month, let alone five years from now. Yeah, but it's fun to do. Oh, it is fun. Gavin, but Kevin Newsom, governor of California, hopes Biden loses. Guaranteed. Uh, there's no way Biden runs for re-election, though, if he does win in that scenario. Yeah, but Gavin's not going to be the Veep, and you uh, you almost always have to go to the Veep. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that, I don't think they'd have a, like a full-on runoff election. Now, he's hoping Biden loses. He thinks the country would be tired of Trump after eight years, blah, blah, blah. Clearly going to go to the other party. Gavin's the man. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to watch Biden. The Biden watch continues. It'd be super exciting if he ever made any appearances, but he's not. Now, the Obama watch is what's exciting. Does he come out and endorse Biden at any point in the next couple of weeks, as Gary was talking about a pancreas, Gary Dietrich? Obama comes out and endorses Trump. Now, that would get some headlines. <laughs> oh, my God. What the hell is wrong with you? You have a gas leak in your home. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
play some clips from Trump yesterday. He said some good things about the grocery clerks that we should uh, be nice to. Uh, is anybody yeah. not being nice to grocery clerks? I don't know. I'm being nice to the grocery grocery clerk. Absolutely. Why don't we, on the back half of the hour, uh, play a, a bunch of good stuff from the briefing yesterday? Are they the 9-11 firefighters of the COVID virus, the grocery store clerks? Is that what it is? Something like that. Okay. I just, I, I see my phone a buzzing. I'm looking over <laughs> my daughter home from college. She'll be a guest on tomorrow's show, the yes. award-winning fourth hour. Um, says, we should get a cat or another dog. Baxi needs a friend. Judy replies, no, in all caps. <laughs> Delaney says, y'all are trash. That's her. That's her current college, her collegiate insult. You're trash. Uh, a couple of things, uh, Corona adjacent, if you will. Number one, that exciting idea, the Major League Baseball Arizona idea. Have all the teams in Arizona because they got lots of those spring training parks. They wouldn't have to travel, uh, and the rest of it. We have the zero percent chance of that happening. None, zero, oh, really? according to my sources within Major League Baseball. What's the main holdup? It was merely a discussion that was being had to pass the time on ESPN. So it would be good for the when, fans, when there's a, but the, obviously the teams would lose practically all the money they make. <laughs> so. Well, no, because they own the well, they own those ballparks. But it, it was the response was there is a zero percent chance of that happening. It's not even being considered. So the holdup is everything. Okay. The. Uh, there's not a holdup. There's nothing to recommend well, it, apparently. I, I Although I did get momentarily excited. I can see it all breaking down if you start talking about it as a business. If it's just a TV show for me to watch sports, it makes perfectly good sense. Oh, I love it. But if you start looking at it as a team's trying to make money off of their fans, the stadiums they've spent gazillions of dollars on, et cetera, et cetera, I can see where it all would break down. A decent cut of the pie is the TV broadcast, though. Oh, yeah. TV rights are huge. Yeah. So um, I, anyway, just having games on would... Uh, it wouldn't replace, but it would at mm. least, you know, cut some of the losses, I guess. It would make me happy. What about my needs? So <laughs> a a quick face-off here between Colorado State Police and, uh, or, or actually it's local cops, I think, in Colorado and Chicago. So Chicago versus Colorado here. In an incident caught on video, a former Colorado State trooper said he was handcuffed in front of his six-year-old on a near-empty softball field by Brighton, Colorado police officers enforcing social distancing rules. Nah, so surely he's playing he, catch with his daughter. Surely he did something to end up in handcuffs. The department apologized Tuesday afternoon, calling the incident an overreach by our police officers. Uh, he said he refused to, okay, he did refuse to provide his identification when offers, officers asked for it because he had not broken any laws. Yeah, I can. Which I'm is on your his right side as so a far. citizen. I'm on his You're, side so far. I'm standing in the park playing catch with my daughter. I don't have to give you my ID. Right. Well, and there are certain cops like this, and good cops know it. They're hard asses who, the minute you challenge their authority, go crazy. They didn't like that idea, he said. They, they proceeded to make a threat against me, saying, if you don't give us your identification, if you don't identify yourself, we're going to put you in handcuffs in front of your six-year-old daughter. Wow. And he That said, person oh. shouldn't be a cop. Right. That person should not be a cop. The Brighton cops said they are deeply sorry for the incident. Now, over in Chicago, damn, I'm not going to have time to read this now. They're deeply sorry. It's a great post from a Chicago cop who says, I was eating my plain dry Cheerios in my car today, and a lady comes up and demands I arrest people who are sitting on the swings in the park. (laughs) And the ensuing conversation, you'll have to trust me, is uh, very amusing. And the Chicago cops win this round because he was not only a funny, funny guy, but thoroughly reasonable and sent everybody home happy. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey everyone, we want you to please stay home to stop the spread of COVID-19. You know, we're staying home to protect those on the front lines, the doctors, the nurses, and technicians that are working so hard to save lives at our hospitals. We're now tagging Jimmy Fallon next to help hashtag stop the spread. Oh, jeez. Oh, just shut up. That's J- America's most tiresome couple. That's uh, A-Rod and J-Lo feeling like the world needed to hear from them. Actually, they got in trouble last week because they were working out at the gym and got in trouble with the Internet. They got in trouble with Twitter. And uh, and so I guess to make up for that, they decided to do a heartfelt from their house, both of them looking buff and hot, uh, talking about people need to stay home, keep everyone safe, everyone. Along the same sort of lines, ex-tennis star Ashley Harkelrode, which I'd never heard of, uh, posted a picture of her naked from behind, said she's going to naked to save money on clothes during these tough economic times. Yeah, right. That's the Humble most, brag. That's the most transparent, transparent ploy I've ever heard in my life. Uh, and Lizzo has been posting a whole bunch of pictures of her in a thong for no, some reason. Durr. In a thong from behind bent over various uh, pieces of furniture. Sure. What what is the uh, what is she trying to do there, Sean? Get clicks? Enjoy her life? I don't know. She's <laughs> she's doing Lizzo things. That's you know if, if you're if you know Lizzo, you know that that's a majority of her wardrobe are our skin revealing clothes. Not sure what the, the and then getting back leading Joe back to what he was just talking about, and we'll finish. Here's a mountain biker who got fined a thousand dollars for riding around somewhere where there were restrictions, and they stopped him and gave him a thousand dollar fine. That was in Australia. Not in the United States, but thousand bucks. You're not supposed to be riding here. Corona, even though, you know. uh, yeah, there are various countries and municipalities around the world saying you can't even exercise outdoors, which strikes me as bizarre. I mean, the chances of transmitting the thing are practically zero. But so we're comparing and contrasting some tin horn little uh, Colorado cop shop that arrested one of their own because he refused to show his ID while he was playing catch with his six year old outdoors. Uh, and uh, by the way, I learned it varies state to state whether you have to show your ID if you're suspected of a crime. Uh, for instance, in my home state of Cal Unicornia, you do not. Uh, I am far too lazy to look up the laws in, Cal- in uh, Colorado. But uh, I take there it since states- he was a Colorado State Trooper, recently retired, he knew the law. There are states where if I'm playing catch with my kid and a policeman shows up and says, show me your ID, I have to? Yes. Wow, I don't like that. No, I don't either. I don't either. But so the Colorado cop shop is uh, Brighton. It was his apologizing and falling all over themselves, saying we shouldn't have done that, which I appreciate. Then you got this cop in Chicago. I love this. He posted this to this is actually a uh, a relative of one of our beloved listeners. And they said, go ahead and use it on the air. So uh, Matt, the cop posts, my career hit a new low today. I have to issue my first coronavirus dispersal order. Here's what happened. I pulled into La Follette Park to enjoy my delicious plain dry Cheerios. <laughs> Sean, a, a brother of yours, really. Mm, like the Cheerio. Brother in arms. That's a healthy a cons- cereal. Nah, it's marginal. What do you mean it's marginal? I mean it's marginal. It's full on healthy. Have you ever read the... It's sugary. There's zero sugar in Cheerios. Oh, stop. Zero. It. In regular uh, Cheerios? Yeah, zero. Yeah. What? Yes. No. It's a healthy cereal. <laughs> We'll have to look this up. A concerned citizen comes up to my car and waves for me to roll my window down. What are you doing? The lady asks. I look at the bag of Cheerios in my lap and look at her and say, um, I'm eating my breakfast. Mm. I see that. But what are you doing about that? 
She points to the park playground where two people, clearly a couple, are sitting on the swings. They're in their 60s. She says, the playgrounds are closed. You need to do something. I look at her, then my Cheerios, then to the playground. I put my delicious Cheerios down and walked over to the playground, keeping a safe tactical distance from the deadly disease, and kindly say, um, folks... The playgrounds are supposed to be closed for the public. The city lacks proper mechanisms to continually clean the equipment every day to make sure they're germ-free. The two look at me, apologize, ask if they can still walk around the park, which I tell them they absolutely can. They thank me, tell me to be safe, and mosey on. I return to the car, and concerned citizen is looking at me obviously peeved. I sit back in my car, pick up my Cheerios. She says, well, what are you going to do now? (laughs) I said, eat eat my Cheerios? (laughs) She says she wants a report for this apparently critical break uh, of our Constitution. Wow. Uh, I tell her there isn't a report to give her. (laughs) She demands action. So I get on the radio, ask for a coronavirus dispersal number. I'm given one. I put the car in drive, and she says, where are you going? And I said, somewhere else to eat my Cheerios. (laughs) And I drove away. Man, there's there's some there's people like that that should be cops and then people that shouldn't be cops and then you know I don't know what you do about citizens like that. It reminds me of this story I've told a thousand times where I got the ticket for uh, being on a flotation device in a lake without a uh, uh, or now I was floating on a floaty, but I didn't have a what do you call them a life jacket a life jacket on. <sighs> Freaking crazy! It was two feet of water. So you were on a flotation device. Yeah. And got busted for not having a flotation device. But anyway, you have it. It was two feet of water, by the way. Two feet of water. Uh, and I couldn't afford the $200 ticket at the time. I mean, it was just, like, devastating to me. But anyway, that policeman, that park ranger could have said, hey, this area, you have to wear a, fl- a thing. It's the rules. And I had either left or gotten one, like that cop did there. That's the way to handle any of those kind of situations. And any well, any any police officer, law enforcement person who doesn't handle those situations that way shouldn't have the job ever i will point this out like ferguson missouri like a large suburb uh, near where i live that this came out uh, a couple of years ago there are a lot of municipalities that depend on fines for their budget fines are a critical part of their their budget that's what so drives the cops are pressured to write ticky tack crap tickets and they will all tell you that we don't have any sort of uh, quota quota that we have to reach, right? Um, right. But that just can't be true. Well, I mean, no, there's just no written no... quota, but, uh, you know, the pressure comes down from above. And everybody who's ever had a job knows how that works. Hey, the sales figures are not good enough, uh, Jones, this week. So get to work. Does, is that a quota? No. But it's it's clear what needs to happen. And one of the great underreported aspects of the Ferguson, Missouri thing was those people were not rioting. Well, a lot of them were not rioting primarily because of the whole hands up, don't shoot fiction that uh, Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren repeated. But it was that that part of the the uh, suburbs of St. Louis are absolutely notorious for the cop shop being the budget spigot for the town, and they write tickets for everything. If your lawn is too long, if you leave a bike out, I mean, just all sorts of ticky-tack crap. So that's why there is so much resentment there. Anyway, enough on America's policing. Right. So what is the peak day now? I got this piece of paper in front of me. This organization says, I guess this is the Washington uh people they say the 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 peak day is april 16th that's when the deaths will death rate will be its peak across the united states you have a different yeah, a lot model? of people are paying attention to the university of washington uh model uh the one i've been using that i like recommended by a couple of doctors they're saying it's the 12th 
12th or 13th, but in that uh, week, you know, given the level of uncertainty, yeah, the fact that they're within a few days of each other. Yeah. So it's somewhere between the 12th and the 16th. So we were told there were going to be many days of 4,000 plus deaths all across the country, which, of course, you would need if you're going to reach that 200,000 person mark that we were talking about just, what, 10 days ago, a week ago. And it looks like we're not going to come anywhere close to that. And those were the numbers if we sheltered in place. So, yeah, now they're saying roughly 2,200 deaths per day for a very brief time. And then within two weeks, it'll be down to what looks to be about 700. Boy, this is going to be argued about for a long time. Why, why they were so far off? Uh, did we just shelter in place even better than they thought? Or was it not as necessary as they thought? And then how, how devastating was it to the economy that we didn't need to do? This will be quite the conversation with with impossible to answer questions or was it the great government media swirl of fear where the government gives you a range the media reports the very very high end of the range as if that is the number as opposed to really an unlikely scenario maybe and that the government starts... feels the pressure and and just you know it grows from there yeah individuals being human beings might have started to feel the the heat also as everybody started talking about these giant numbers you don't want to be the one that says no nah, i think it's going to be half that Right, right. You know, if if somebody told you your favorite baseball team, remember baseball, folks, um, was going to win 70 to 100 games this season. Everybody go around talking about ESPN thinks we might win 100 games. It's just a human tendency. So, yeah, it turns into this uh, whirl of, of fear and policy reaction. I don't know. We'll never know for sure. Two things Trump talked about at his press conference yesterday that uh, we should play for you. First, this. And somebody mentioned today, would you please specifically call out cashiers and clerks at grocery stores who are in danger during the during the pandemic, during the epidemic? They're in danger. They're really in great danger. And uh, they've been incredible. And I want to call them out to cashiers and clerks. We grew up with cashiers and clerks and grocery stores, and they've been great, and they've really been true American heroes. I want to call them out because they're working hard, and they're working in conditions that aren't ideal, but soon they'll be ideal again. Somebody needs to explain to the president the difference between calling someone out and shouting out to them. Yes, very good point. Very good. Yeah, I think he's, yeah, yeah. He's not saying, what's the matter with you? That <laughs> is a heck of a job. them out. I've been saying for weeks that the most the most danger I've put myself in over the pre- previous few months has been when I'm at the grocery store. It seems pretty clear to me. I'm I'm the closest to the most people at the grocery store, and that's once a week. Those people who work there are doing that all day, every single day. The most dangerous thing, pretty much, you can do right now, unless you're you know uh, feeding tigers for Joe Exotic. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, this was the last question in the press conference yesterday. One of the biggest rating hits this has been a show on Netflix called uh, Tiger King. The man who's the star of this is a former zoo owner who's serving a 22-year prison sentence. He's asking you for a pardon, saying he was unfairly convicted. Your son yesterday jokingly said that uh, you know he was going to advocate for it, and I was wondering if you've seen the show and if you have any thoughts on uh, pardoning uh, Joe. Which son? It must be Don. I had a feeling it was Don. I don't know. I know nothing about it. He has 22 years for what? What did he do? He allegedly hired someone to murder an animal rights activist, but he said that he didn't do that. And he was. You think he didn't do it? Are you on his side? Uh, well, I, are I'm you, are you recommending sides, a pardon? 
I'm not, I'm not advocating anything. As a reporter, that. you're not allowed to do that. You'd be criticized by these. Would you recommend a pardon? I don't think you would. Go ahead. Do you have a question? I'll take a look. <laughs> so there's several parts of that are great. Originally, I said, why is a uh, these press conferences are too long if reporters are down to asking this? But then, in retrospect, you know, if the president's son, who is an advisor, says he's going to talk to his dad about a pardon for somebody, that's a legitimate <laughs> news story. Well, I think he was joking. But well, yeah, 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 well that, that's, that's been the whole Trump presidency. He didn't tweet LOL behind it. How are you supposed to know what's a joke and what's not when various people make comments? Yeah, fair enough. Um, that, yes. I was glad for the comic relief. By the way, uh, if he, he is a reporter, he ought to know you don't have to say allegedly if somebody's been convicted. Uh, who is convicted of what? Uh, Joe. Uh, Joe Exotic. He's been convicted. He allegedly hired somebody to kill somebody. He's, yeah, he's been in, convicted. That's what he's oh, in jail yeah. for. Oh. oh, that's right. You haven't finished the no. series. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, he's convicted. Oh, I didn't a couple know years ago, right? Or oh, really? I had no idea. I, I thought he was awaiting the, the trial or something. No. So he's oh, convicted. No, no um, the jury took uh, just Baskin. The jury took. <laughs> she testified. She lied on the stand. Uh, the jury took just long enough to eat the sandwiches the court uh, furnished for them before coming back with a and bunch she, of. She hurting. gets away with feeding her husband to a tiger. Wow, that's something. For Carol Bass. <laughs> but so, also the funny part of that clip was Trump saying, "Who who who, who was who watched that? Who tweeted? Was oh, that Don? Don? Was it Don? <laughs> Sounds like Don. <laughs> right." Sure, I can picture my dad being asked something like that. Did Joe say that? Yeah, that sounds like Joe. (laughs) Trump says I'll have to look into that. Oh, boy. If he starts watching Tiger King, we're going to get a lot of great commentary on that. He has to be aware of it. He follows TV ratings and, you know, what's got mind share and that sort of thing. That's that's Trump's wheelhouse. He had to be aware of Tiger King. Yeah, I think he's a little extra busy now. True, he he is fairly busy as the world's most powerful man. Thank goodness. Armstrong and Getty. Life is full of change. Some big, some small. I learned a long time ago you can fight it or you can try to make the best of it. And that's all a lot easier if you've got people who love you helping you face whatever life throws at you. At least that's what helps me sleep at night. So that was the very ending of Modern Family last night as one of the most successful sitcoms in the history of television. One best oh, comedy was five years in a row. Five years that's in a row. Unprecedented. Sounded like a commercial for some sort of drug. <laughs> it is. And ask your doctor if osbiosis is right for you. Right. Uh, I loved Modern Family. I think I watched the first three years or something like that. Never missed it. It's hilarious. One of my favorite shows. I don't know why I stopped watching it. Probably had kids or something. Uh, I hadn't watched it in a long time, so I assumed everybody froze in place and that the the funny little kid who drank espresso in the morning was still a 10-year-old. But the show was on for 11 years, and he is now a 21-year-old. Oh, jeez. Oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I watched some of the first season. I just I didn't latch onto it for some reason. Oh, really? Boy, I loved that show. I, I didn't dislike it. I just I don't crave entertainment, which I, is weird. I do think it cements Ed O'Neill as one of the great sitcom actors yeah. of all time. Between yeah. that and Married with Children, two very different roles. And uh, yeah, it just great in both of them. It allowed you to realize he was acting. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow, you're completely different in this. 
And uh, and that gay couple, which was kind of groundbreaking when the show first went on the air, was, you know, meant nothing to America in terms of that dynamic by the end of it, which is kind of an interesting period to uh, to cover in, in, in time. What was the greatest transition? Was it Ed O'Neill going from married with children to modern family? Or was it the dad from Malcolm in the Middle ending oh, up being yeah. Eisenberg on. on Breaking Bad? Come on, yeah. That's pretty, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Tough to beat. It's as if, uh, old, what's, his, what's uh, Bob Denver from Gilligan's Island had starred in The Godfather <laughs> instead of Marlon Brando? <laughs> That's a pretty good example right there. Really different mo- different movie then. I, I By think. the way, he didn't. <laughs> That's hilarious. When I heard a Modern Family is going off after eleven seasons, it made me wonder why don't I watch stuff like that anymore? And was I was my life better when I did? I think it was. I think I think in a lot of ways it was better for me and our family and. I've never done that with the kids. My kids are not growing up in a household where, hey, it's Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. We're going to watch this show. We don't do that. Um, a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people don't do that anymore, but I enjoyed it. The- well, part of it is that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I only watched about a season of it, but a lot of modern sitcoms are way too racy to watch with That's your part kids. Of it. That's yeah. part of it. You know you know where we're finding the sitcoms that are family-friendly is on Netflix. They make their own shows. And we started watching yesterday uh, The Big Show, which is... The wrestler, which I was completely unaware of. Oh, really? The the, the gigantic human? Yeah, wrestler bigger than Shaq. I yeah. mean, this guy is enormous, and he's got a show called The Big Show, and it's a fam. And it just started this week. We just stumbled upon it on Netflix. It you know it fed it to us because we have kids, and yeah. it's a family sitcom in in the old traditional sense, like I grew up with, where there's a moral to every story, and everybody is good and loves each other, and it's all wholesome and good news. You oh, I love that. You want your kids to watch shows like this. Because the parents are good, the kids are good, everything works out, blah, blah, blah. And it's uh, this wrestler and his wife and the various hijinks they get into with their kids. Uh, and But we find that stuff on Netflix, and instead of watching every Tuesday night at 7, we watched three episodes yesterday afternoon, which is the way you do things now, I guess. We were laughing out loud, though. There was some funny stuff on there. Yeah, that's cool. And, of course, since I'm not in that demographic group anymore, I, I never heard of it in my life. Right. Well, it, it did just come out this week. Yeah. Um. Uh. The the big show is he a big time wrestler though? Is he oh, a big he deal? was he was huge. He, he's still involved. He's not the star that he once was, but he was among the top. In his peak, he was one of the big guys. And he's you know he's had the heavyweight belt and stuff. Yeah. What was his wrestling name? The Big Show. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's the yeah. name. Okay. So instead of doing like the action movie thing, like The Rock, he's doing a family sitcom. Yeah. And he's he's pretty decent in it too. And the fact that he's ginormous allows for a number of funny seven things feet, that... three hundred and eighty three pounds. Yeah, he's almost four hundred pounds. Does he talk like Andre the Giant? No, he he talks more or less like a regular person. You just wiggled your finger. <laughs> yeah, that was the only line I could understand. <laughs> God bless him. He was said to be a beautiful and gentle soul, but anybody who's watched The Princess Bride, he's just hard to understand. <laughs> Andre the Gigantic. Yes, Um exactly. So if you get the next hour of the Armstrong and Getty show, the government was going to send masks to all of our homes. Then they decided to tell us to not wear masks at all. I don't know what that's all about. We'll explain what? that. What? That's 180 degrees different. How could that possibly be? We've got that story at armstrongandgetty.com under the hot links, or stay tuned for it if you still get the next hour. If you don't, I would weep softly to myself and then call your radio station and say, why don't I get the next hour? My life is poor for it. I'm a human, too. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.